My name is Leslie Payne. Welcome to Day 26 of Below the Median Income. Some background information about how I came up with this. First is the Jim Rohn quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Secondly, on March 12, 2018, Director Joshua V. Barr of the Des Moines Civil and Human Rights Commission said, We have 75% of students experiencing some form of poverty in Des Moines public schools. So what can we do to improve that outlook? Research has shown that if a person remains in an impoverished condition up through their adolescent years, they are more likely to remain in that position as they become older and become adults. That information made me think of a person being in a space that they could see but were not participating in. It evolved into an idea for an art installation of aerial images of Des Moines displayed on the floor. The images placed the visitor outside the space they routinely travel. The audio components are interview recordings obtained from people involved with public or nonprofit organizations. The interviews tell the visitor about where that person routinely travels. The installation contrasts Des Moines ranking as a best-in-nation place to live, Iowa nice reputation of being overly friendly and go out of our way to help fellow citizens, and the visitor's personal story of where they travel in the city. You are listening to the audio component of my project. I didn't want the interviews to be an unheard story in a gallery setting. The best way I thought to prevent that was to make them available as a podcast. My guest for Day 26 is Dawn Martinez Orapeza. She is the executive director of Alexido, which means Towards Success. The organization provides programming to youth in Des Moines and nine other cities in Iowa. They develop Latino students' leadership potential through civic engagement, college preparation, career development, family support, and celebration of culture. Thank you for joining me, Dawn. What neighborhood of Des Moines do you live in? I live on the northeast side. Who do you live with? I live with my husband and my two boys. Sometimes we have students who stay with us as well. Finish the sentence. When I step outside the place I live, I see... I live right on Union Park. When I step outside, I see... My neighbors' houses, right? Like, I feel very much a part of my neighborhood. I see the beauty of the park and the beauty of what Des Moines can be. It's history for me. We used to go to that park when I was little. There's a lot of trees and open space and the rivers downhill. It's just beautiful. When I step outside the place I live, I hear... In the summertime, from Memorial Day to Labor Day, I hear the carousel, which is great. And people in the park playing. Sometimes I hear gunshots. That's usually in the nighttime. Where did you grow up? I grew up here in Des Moines, closer to Rohan and um, University of Orca St. Teresa's. So it was a lower to mid-income neighborhood, a little bit of a mixture. What languages do you know? I speak English. <laughs> I write English okay. I can understand Spanish, and I can speak very elementary Spanish. I can get by when I'm in Mexico. 
Do you follow a religious practice or attend a place of worship? I'm Jewish and I'm Catholic as well. My father's Catholic, my mom's Jewish, so so there you go. I have both of them. My husband does um, Native practices, and I found a place in San Jose called the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which is Kriya Yoga. It embraces all truths and all religions. It is mostly a philosophy. It was the first yoga practice brought to the country. I follow them. I get their daily messages. But now I'm more engaged and I watch the service every week online. I'm really blessed to be one of 70 people who can do that and get the teachings that way. What advice would you give to your younger self? I've always been kind of a free spirit and did things that made me happy, which I'm glad I did. Now that I've lost a lot of people, I think I'm really appreciating the people that are around you a little bit more. I wish I would have had a little bit more time and built more relationships with them. You left Iowa to obtain your secondary education, a Bachelor of Fine Arts, and a Master of Fine Arts. Where did you get them? It was a very, very long process to get my education. I got a Fulbright at Grandview, so I started here. I'm a first-gen high school graduate, so I didn't realize that when you got a scholarship, you had to get a certain GPA, and so I lost my scholarship Moved to Seattle. Then I got into the Art Institute of Chicago. I finished my degree there. For grad school, it was a lot of back and forth. I ended up at New College of San Francisco. It was a master's program in art advocacy. I moved out there and then it didn't get accreditation. I didn't know that that was an issue. So that ended. And I got into the University of Chicago. That didn't get funny. Then I got into the University of California, San Diego, and that's where I got my master's. How did you end up back in Des Moines after school? I moved jobs after grad school. Los Angeles, Sacramento, Texas, in San Jose, California, and met my husband. We had kids, and when it was time to start kindergarten, we moved back to Des Moines. What trait do you admire most in the people closest to you? A lot of the people that I surround myself with are very open-minded and really kind of searching for peace within themselves and within the world. I think it's their wisdom, but with a big, caring heart. When was the last time you asked for help? Hmm. Probably last night in my meditation practice. Do you vote in elections? Yes, I do. And I also work getting all of our youth to vote in elections as well. Why is it important to you? It goes back to Cesar Chavez, who I really look up to as a role model. And I see the power of the vote. His first job with the CSO... He went door to door, signing people up to register to vote. This was, you know, back in the day. And a lot of the people who were born in the United States that just hadn't gotten their citizenship or their papers at the time. Because of the work that Caesar did every day organizing his community, now Silicon Valley, which is the richest place in the United States, 
the city council, the school boards, all of them have Latinos on those committees, if not the majority. I see the power of civic engagement. I see the need here in Des Moines. I see the power that the youth have in one of the largest populations in the city and in some of our communities. They're not civically engaged. They're going to continue to not to have enough voice, not to have any power, not to be integrated fully into the community. How did you find out about Alexito? Alexito came to Des Moines in 2008. Antonio Rivera from East High School actually is one of the people who brought Alexito to Des Moines. Antonio had asked me to be a mentor. And at that time, it was a once-a-month mentorship program. The change of the political party at the Capitol, I worked for the state. It was time to leave the state, and this position opened up, and it was the perfect fit of my love for after school, my love for youth, for immigration policy, for empowerment of Latinos. It all just kind of came together. So since 2013, I've been the executive director. What does a day in your life look like as executive director? <laughs> oh, gosh. Every <laughs> single day is different. So I mostly work six days a week, sometimes seven. Some days I'm lucky. It's only a 10-hour day. And every single, single day is different. Every day that I think I have a plan <laughs> um, is different. It changes so like right now I have a bunch of grants due, but I also have to do the other work. I have meetings, but I try to block out all my time just to write or I'm preparing for the board meetings. There's usually a list or two lists of to-dos that usually don't all get done in one day. Alexito partnered with the Des Moines chapter of Showing Up for Racial Justice, also known as SURGE. It is a national network committed to organizing white people for racial justice as part of a multiracial justice movement being led by people of color? How has working with Surge helped change the outlook for youth in Des Moines? We came and talked and we mentioned something about how one of the school districts in the East Coast changed all the maps. It makes the United States much larger than it is. So they raised money to change all the social studies maps in the city they gave credit to us, even though they raised the money and they did it. The kids see themselves and the reality of what the world really looks like. To be inspired by things that we said and, and really make a difference in the school district is really, I mean, that's just beautiful. How has volunteering your time changed your outlook? For one, I really don't sell my artwork but I donate a lot of my artwork to immigration organizations that I work with. That keeps me alive as an artist, which I'm happy about. You know, even my board members, they volunteer their time. And people don't realize that the minimum amount that they can give us makes just huge changes in the lives of our kids and the lives of the program and keeps us sustainable. We have this great volunteer, Jean, from First Unitarian Church, who's been really supportive. Surge has been really supportive. But they give us volunteers that just make things go so much easier. 
I don't think they realize how much easier it makes everything. The support and love that we get from volunteers is really amazing from our own community and other communities. What motivates you? I run three of the programs of working directly with our youth. It's every single one of those kids and every single one of their stories motivates me, their family stories, good stories. Like we have extraordinarily intelligent children right now, but there's a lot of issues with getting them to get to college and to actually stay in college. It's very difficult for our kids. So making sure that the parents understand what they need for all of them to be successful in school and get what they need, that's what motivates me. What challenges do you face working with youth? Each group of youth, each age level is so different. You do need to have the ability to laugh at yourself and not take things personally. Sometimes it's very difficult. Also, to truly let go of your own ego of this is the way it should be or this is the way it should be done or this is my experience and you need to listen to me. Right now, I have a group that don't care and don't want to listen. You know, and I have to remember that one day, maybe it'll affect them. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll remember what I said and maybe they won't. But everybody has their own path and everybody comes to it at different times. I also believe in like astrology and things, but my group of seniors right now are the year of the lion. They're very strong kids. <laughs> very, and I'm including my son, who is a double Leo. Very secure. They have more confidence even than I think I do at this age. So I feel like they feel like this is what's right. This is the way it should be done. It can be a challenge to know that they are very black and white. A lot of kids, they just don't have the capacity to look at things holistically and from different perspectives because they haven't lived that. So to be able to give them the grace of being where they're at is the challenge. (laughs) (laughs) What new opportunities does Alexito bring to youth in Iowa? We are 27% of the Des Moines Public School District, 51% of Marshalltown, 38 or so of Tama and Perry, Clarion, Belmont, Hampton, Atelma all within 20 and 35%. So we're a large percentage of the population in these schools. Our kindergarten classes, we have more Latinos in those classes. So over the next 20 years, we're going to see a huge influx of a majority Latino populations in schools across Iowa. Right now, because of the political climate, I heard this term willfully hidden or chosen hidden population because of the fear of our family's immigration status. Parents don't come out. Parents don't want to be grouped in large settings. Parents won't go to the hospital if a kid's been hurt. Or we had a a family member picked up on Friday. You know, it's one by one by one all these things happen, but the community at large knows that they're happening. Parents are staying hidden, which causes our kids not to advocate for themselves to get what they need. 
They don't speak up against injustice happening to them. We have a 33% increase of racial slurs and attacks on our kids since last year. Our kids don't get the opportunities because a lot of schools and things know that they have low income. It's like $13,000 less than the average Iowan. We're very low income families. So our kids don't get the opportunity to go to college campuses. Their parents didn't graduate high school or go to college. And so we're just making sure that our kids, who are about 100% bilingual, they get those opportunities. They get to go on college campus. And they meet with Latino leaders and students and staff that look like them. Because otherwise, they don't have a picture of themselves on college campuses. They don't have a picture of themselves winning awards in high school or standing up and being part of something special at school. We're teaching those kids how to speak up, how to call out something that is unjust or unfair, and trying to get them to be able to see themselves in the future. They go to schools and they don't see Latinos in positions of power. There may be one staff member at school or two, but they don't see themselves in, in high-ranking positions. That's the opportunity that we want our kids to see is to open up their idea of what's possible, what's out there, what they can do. In 2017, Alexito launched DreamSeed, a youth-led business that partners with Spanish-speaking businesses to promote Latino philanthropy and community support. What benefits have you seen because of this partnership? Ah, they're phenomenal. These kids are really phenomenal. DreamSeed started in October, and in two weeks' time, they were able to get their mission statement, their vision statement, their website up, and come up with their goals. The DreamSeed youth have sold internationally, South Korea, Greece, Mexico. It's a youth-led business, so the CEO is a senior. She partners with me in getting the program done. We have five leaders that are paid. These kids have come up with products, but their confidence has changed. Their abilities have changed that way. For the last two years, it's been our number one Financial support has been the money that DreamSeed has raised. They set up tables. They speak on behalf of Alexito. They know it's theirs, and they take great ownership in it. They are the future leaders. Alexito conducted a mental health study of students in your programs. The study was the first in the state of Iowa to focus on attitudes and experiences of Latino youth related to mental health care. What recommendations from that study have you begun to address? I am a Mid-Iowa Health Fellow. The fellowship has gone on since 2017. That study was part of the fellowship. It took me a long time with a lot of mentors from the fellowship to get to the point where I met, kind of branched off. We did work incorporating curriculum and experimenting with curriculum for all the youth to be part of that. 78% of our youth experience daily stress due to the political climate and fear of separation of their family. How can we alleviate their stress just for a minute in program? How can we give them some tools to learn mindfulness practices? 
The second part was I created a youth mental health task force. We started off with 25 youth, and the beauty of it is that they weren't the kids that you selected for to be the strongest leaders. These were kids that were selected because they had experienced some mental health issues. Um, over time, and because of the nature of the kids that were selected, we ended up with seven that were like core members, took creative recommendations, four recommendations. The first one was looking at hiring practices and equity within um, hiring and trainings for teachers. The second one was looking at attendance policies that were more aware of Latino issues. The third one was um, mental health counselors and counselors within schools. The fourth one was um, lack of access and the unequitable access to technology. The kids have presented the materials. We'll be at Buena Vista University, UNI. They've done an international conference in Minnesota. So they're sharing the information pretty widely, which I'm really impressed with. We're now in phase two and really going to do this exhibit with our larger group here in Des Moines called Movimiento High School Program. Three interns from Urban Leadership, from DMPS, and we're going to really look at the economic disparities. We're going to do a study, data collection of what really is kids' access to technology, parents' access. Most of the low-income kids are using their phones as opposed to laptops, and you know they don't have Wi-Fi in the evening. Really excited to see what the kids come up with, and we'll be inviting decision makers to look at what the kids have to say about that. What does success look like for Alexito? What I'm really striving for is to one have it self-sufficient to be able to have the operating support that is comparable to other nonprofits in the city, a very secured base with an endowment and money coming in and sustaining the work to grow. True success for Alexito is that we have Latino leaders at all levels of the state. So we have people that are in city council positions. We have principals, administrators, legislators, people that are working in the governor's office, people working in principal and come and go. And they don't have to hire Latinos from outside of Iowa, outside of the United States, that we have our own Latinos within Iowa who have a path to be in positions of influence in the state. 